Richard Wigan is the host of a podcast called the Some Other Useless Podcast. It contains useless information, as well as useful information. Which is which? You be the judge. This is his podcast. Hello everybody, yes my name is Richard Wigan and this is the Some Other Useless Podcast. Welcome back to the part 3 in my series installment of Reboots Are Made For Talking. This show is different than the other two. In the first one I covered the possible chance of a reboot of The Office. It was been officially greenlit by NBC and they're still piecing it together. But nothing's officially been filmed, written, anything. Nobody has been rumored to be attached. There are cast members that are hinting that they might return, but nothing official. The other show that I did where I covered reboots was another possible chance that a popular show 24 would make a return. And then I went to a discussion of how 24 already came back as, you know, they had their movie, they had a limited series, and they even attempted a show without their main character, Jack Bauer, at all. So those were the shows that were possibly going to be made. So this is the third installment of Reboots Are Made For Talking, and I'm going to cover three shows that have been officially announced that they are going to happen. One of which has already had a pilot filmed and a series has already been ordered. So here we go. And they also have another thing in common. They all have to do with the law. So there's a comedy and two dramas. And I am a fan of the comedy. And I had maybe seen maybe not all the episodes of one of the dramas. And I vaguely remember the third. So here we go. They all have to do with law. And they've all been announced as new reboots. We have Law and Order. Law and Order was canceled 11 and a half years ago. Abruptly. They still have on Law and Order SVU as well as their latest venture, Law and Order Organized Crime, in which Christopher Maloney leads that show. My family always enjoyed Law and Order Criminal Intent. My sister absolutely, absolutely loved Vincent D'Onofrio, and I think that he brought something to that show and the franchise. Unlike any other actor in the franchise. Not to really overshadow anyone because a lot of talent has gone through all the Law & Order series. But when they come back, because they have been revived by NBC, it'll be their 21st season. There's no real information attached to it except for Anthony Anderson, who at one time was part of like the end of the series has admitted recently that he has been in talks with Dick Wolf about reviving Law & Order. That's all he's saying right now. But there's a possible chance that he could come back for Law & Order because the other show he's on right now, Blackish, is in their final season. So he will be available if they want to bring back Law & Order. So watching Law & Order when I was growing up, uh, I've caught maybe a few of the original series. Obviously, later in syndication, you catch up with all the stuff, but wasn't really heavily involved in the original series. 
I do we did enjoy Dennis Farina, um, Jesse L. Martin. You had a lot of interesting people that came that came in uh, to play these parts, and that set up the other spinoffs. You know, eventually you had your Law and Order Special Victims Unit, which introduced interesting characters: Mariska Hargitay, Christopher Maloney, uh, Richard Belzer, stand-up comic, and rapper Ice T, which completely changed his life. And he is an you know an outstanding actor on the show. A signature to the show. And then later when they come out with Criminal Intent, like I said, we were really, really into Vincent D'Onofrio's performance. He just had this unique take. Um, his, um, the angle of the camera, the way he just all around did this interesting performance compared to anybody else. But like I said, not to overshadow anybody else, but they're really great too. But criminal intent—it's—it's it's really cool and an interesting uh, thing to say when you have a show that turns into a franchise, and maybe you were into the original, or maybe you can watch these other shows, and you don't have to watch the original, and we end up liking Criminal Intent more than the others. Uh, I've seen some SVUs, but I'm not—you know—used uh, not consistently watching every week, but they do still do the headline type stories they do stay relevant so it's interesting that in the world of reboots the purpose of a reboot as we've covered in other shows depends on if you want to remake something or reboot it and remake would be completely i guess start from scratch maybe has a hint of what happened in a previous version a reboot completely just retools everything it could be different than a remake because you might not have some original parts to it remakes can be kind of like that too they go back and forth with what they are to each other um, but if you have a hint of um, something from a show that reminds you of the previous show like i said about 24 if they do come back they had to have some kind of reference to jack bauer to at least that the fans of 24 know where he's at or have some kind of closure if he's not going to come back then you got to completely think of a whole new storyline of well what would that be so that's law and order and nbc is bringing that back nbc also was known for another show around that same time called la law and apparently they're bringing that back but instead of nbc bringing it back abc has picked up the rights to the pilot. They're testing it, they're filming it, and it's going to be based off Blair Underwood's character from L.A. Law. I vaguely remember watching this show. I only have references here and there that I know are from L.A. Law. I know the actors from L.A. Law. Uh, my parents would always watch it. They'd always say, that person was on L.A. Law. And that happened more than once. You know, It seems like there were so many actors that came through that they go through this whole run of shows that they're going to go through L.A. Law. Eventually later, they turn into Law & Order. They could pop up on The West Wing. They could pop up on 24. And then that's how you get to have your, your popular actors that get around or are known for these parts. You know, watching The West Wing. Uh, my family are watching it um, on DVD right now. And it's interesting to see all the actors that came through at that time to pop up 
on the West Wing, and a lot of them are known for playing really, really popular characters on 24. So it's like, well, that's how they got that, you know? And we're, we're now later in the season of the fifth season of the West Wing, and 24, I think, had been on for about three years, I think, at that point. So you could just think that either actors from 24 went to West Wing or West Wing actors went to 24. But a lot of times actors find their uh, genre that they want to stick to. If you're a dramatic actor, uh, if you're a political dramatic actor, you know how to play these parts. You know how to play these kinds of characters. But I never knew so much about L.A. Law. Um, it would be interesting to watch an episode. Um, I can't remember anything of it. Barely remember it. Um, I know that Cor Corbin Bernstein was from it. Um, I knew the theme song very well. So that's going to be interesting that it's kind of like the Wonder Years. You know, the Wonder Years, which reached, which recently premiered on ABC. That was their original network. And I I remember watching it, parts of it. I, I just can't think of anything. I have not seen it in the longest time. It's, it's very strange that these... I think the Wonder Years is somewhere on DVD, but we never... Never want to get into collecting it to get into it again. Because I, I do remember it was on TV. I just can't remember a single plot. Um, I only know some of the characters. And I know only some facts about the show. We, we all remember that Daniel Stern was the one that narrated the show. But I just I can't think of anything else. So now with the later uh, reboot, Don Cheadle now takes over. And Fred Savage directed the first episode. Finally got to watch it the other night. When you're rebooting something like that, and you're creating characters that didn't obviously didn't exist in the original Wonder Years, you're you're telling a whole different story. But you're you're telling like the you're telling another relatable story, and this is more factual. Um, this perspective is more factual, and really makes you think. Um, watching Blackish. Um, also makes you think um, they like to teach a lot of lessons and you learn a lot about history and now with the Wonder Years we can now dive into that world I remember years ago NBC had a TV movie called the 60s and they had the 70s and you know now those other little snippet things that were just part of the shows the miniseries are now going to take on stories that we need to know and it's more relevant than ever. Um, it's getting more political every day. So this version of the Wonder Years starring Dulé Hill from the West Wing really makes a whole lot of sense to come back. And this new version is a new refreshed take on it. As well as, you know, this nostalgic. People love nostalgia. We have the Goldbergs, which is put you in the 80s. There was another reboot that was announced recently, that 90s show. Everybody got surprised by that. Apparently, a uh, few cast members from that Sony show were surprised by it. But it's apparently going to take place in the 90s, and it's going to star Kurtwood Smith and, and Deborah Jo Rupp as the parents, as Foreman's parents, uh, Eric Foreman, from the original That Sony Show. They're going to be on this new reboot. It, it's weird that they're calling these things reboots. I would think that's more like a spinoff. Um, but they're treating it like, well, you haven't seen that 70s show of people in a long time. And we're, what's the purpose of a reboot? We're going to 
you know, re-find an audience, reintroduce these stories that existed years ago. What's going to come down to it is the, the shows from the 80s and 90s, they're competing against each other. They're all going to come back competing against each other again. That's what it's going to be. It's, it's only a matter of time before ALF comes back. I can only imagine that Seth MacFarlane would have come back uh, and bring back ALF. Wouldn't that be interesting? Gosh, that show would be dirty. All the things. Just think of everything that ALF did and just make it dirty. But, um... So there's a lot of reboots and a lot of remakes out there. I just never got into the Wonder Years, the original. So watching the new one, um, I'm going in with a completely different outlook on it. Because I might, you know, I'm going to like it better. Because I haven't seen too much of it. My reference of the original is very, very vague. As well as L.A. Law. I cannot remember these shows. They've kept a lot of these shows from us. There's a lot of shows that get forced on us. Um, Paramount Plus and Pluto and all that stuff. They, they're very good about keeping around these shows for a reason. You know, these, these CSIs. And they, they put these things out there uh, to always be around. And um, NCIS, there's a lot of those. So these franchise shows could go on forever. So it's very rare that the original Law & Order, I know I'm mixing what I'm saying, but it all does kind of relate, that Law & Order, the original show, got canceled before the other ones. Which makes sense, though. Because if you, the purpose of, I guess, would to do more shows of spinoffs, or whatever you want to call those, those would be called spinoffs. If you did those, they could outrun the show. They could either outrun the show, or, you know, run the exact same time that they did. But Law & Order was cancelled. And so, therefore, their spinoffs were outliving their original source. It's going to be interesting to watch L.A. Law because I'm going to be looking at it. It would be nice if when they do bring it back, if L.A. Law does get to come back on the DVD and maybe it's be more available to streaming, maybe ABC will get the rights to show the originals so we can all catch up and know what's going on. But yeah, I'd be full all into that because I, I cannot remember a single L.A. Law. <laughs> Very sorry to the creators of L.A. Law, but I'm sorry I just... I was young when that show started. Law & Order stayed on throughout most of my life. So I had plenty of time to catch up or watch some, miss some, didn't really matter. Uh, I've seen a lot of the Law & Orders over and over again. Um, I know my sister has seen a lot over and over again. You know you've seen a Law & Order more than once when as soon as the show starts, you know what the episode is. And that's rare for a drama. Um... Once people got into binging, maybe a show is really good that you want to binge it over and over. But I know for us, generally, there aren't a lot of too many dramas that we watch again. You know, we have Better Call Saul that we have seen several of the seasons all the way through more than once. We've seen The Boston Legals more than once. We've seen Lost more than once. It didn't always used to be like that, of watching so many dramas more than once. It was mainly your comedies, because your comedies are quick half-hour sitcoms that live on forever, and you could see several episodes of Seinfeld over and over again. Several episodes of Friends and Frasier. So, we had all that. So we didn't have time to watch 
these these other I mean we we usually weren't into dramas a lot. We we mainly wanted to laugh. And I think once I want to credit to CSI maybe. Once the CSI's came around, people were really getting heavily into dramas and every new show that wanted to come out was going to be a drama. Just as any show that you know you had law and order and you had your lawyer shows, you had your medical shows, you had ER. Yeah, ER was on for a long period of time. So we were never in really heavily into dramas, but that's changed over the years because now our favorite shows are more serious with a hint of humor, but we used to just mainly stick to comedies, but we've completely changed that because it's just the way, you know, when you're watching a 42-minute show or a 30-minute show, 30-minute shows are quicker. You can watch two in the same time frame as watching one on TV. So that, that changed that. The last show that got revived, and this is actually the only one of the ones that I've listed so far that has had a pilot and has a series ordered. They are rebooting Night Court. I love Night Court. Love it. I love it. I love Harry Anderson, John Larroquette, um, Marky Post, who recently passed away, Richard Mall. Such great, great funny characters. And also stayed relevant to the times. Uh, had a unique sense of humor. Uh, unique filming style for a sitcom. Uh, was one of the very first probably shows to get heavily into... Well, you had your political shows in the 70s. I'll take that back. Your normal leader shows uh, really got into serious topics. Blending it with comedy. But once it got into Night Court, it, it you know, really puts it into the hands of the law. I just thought it was a really unique plot, um, a Night Court. And I was just thinking about the other day, writing and uh, coming up with the ideas for all the different kinds of crimes and misdemeanors or whatever that people would come in and do. That's a lot of creativity that they had to put a lot of work into. One episode that sticks out that even my I was because I was talking about this with my mom recently, and uh, you know she said she said yeah that episode where they try to get on Night Court the original when they try to get as many court cases done by a certain time she says I, I bet you can't get these done in by midnight or something like that and it was just like the writers just came with all these ideas and these ideas could have existed in other episodes. So that just, that just tells you, and the show ran for nine years. That just tells you the extent of the creative people they had on that show back then to come up with so many ideas, because a lot of your ideas are going to kind of bump into each other, kind of sound similar. Um, but uh, it's amazing. I don't even anybody ever thinks about that when they watch a show. We recently saw a John Ritter special that he was talking about the Reese Company, and he knew they were in trouble when some of the plot lines started sound like previous things. That's when you know you've done too much of a show. So Night Court, nine seasons, 193 episodes. I'm, I'm researching this reboot because I was very curious to know what is the Night Court reboot going to be all about? I knew that John Larroquette was attached 
and Melissa Rauch, who is from uh, The Big Bang Theory. She plays Bernadette. And I was just watching, I just watched brief videos of her because I, um, I just wanted to, <laughs> one thing I wanted to know how to say her last name. But she's really interesting. She's a really interesting person. And I kind of got that from just watching a few, just a brief few seconds of interviews with her. And then I find out that she is the driving force behind the reboot. And I thought, well, that's really cool. You know, I just hope it goes in the direction that, you know, if it stays true to what she wants to do, because I know that Matthew Perry, his passion project was The Odd Couple. And that had its good moments and its bad moments. And, you know, it's, I'm a fan of Matthew Perry and I'm a fan of Thomas Lennon, but it's sometimes hard to watch your favorite people do comedy that's not not just not funny, but awkward. Just plain right down awkward. You know, he had fun doing it and he got to work with Gary Marshall. So Matthew Perry got probably got what he wanted out of it and probably learned some things from it. But Melissa Rauch and Winston Rauch, who was actually married to Melissa, they're the ones behind the reboot. And then I find out that she is going to be, Melissa Rauch is going to play Abby Stone. She's going to play the daughter to Harry Anderson's character from Night Court. So now I'm thinking, this show is going to have a lot riding on it. If you're really into the Night Court world. If you can take it for what it is, you, you, you might be able to go into it and not have to have necessarily a reference. But like what I said... When a show complements, when, when a reboot complements what the original established, you might be on the road, you might be on the, going towards the direction on the, on the right road. Because she, she now knows to take things from the original Night Court and extend them. So if it could stay true, because whoever, whoever knows how the humor is going to play out, if, it's gonna, if you're going to be able to watch Night Court... And then watch the Night Court reboot and go, yeah, yeah, that's pretty much close to it. There's also talks of John Larroquette's character. How toned down is he going to be uh, because of the world we live in and the Me Too movement? And um, how should we address it? And because technically you'd say, well, a character like uh, Dan Fielding wouldn't, wouldn't play out well on TV. And people say that about The Office, but you still see these shows in reruns. So there are ways to watch this stuff that people say, you couldn't get away with saying this on TV, you can't get away with saying that on TV, but they still, you can still air it. You can still watch it on syndication, or your apps, or your whatever, your DVDs. You still have access to it. His character, a, a womanizer as he was, and I was reading an article that tried to break this down, should, um, how will the Dan Fielding character, um, be redeemed of, of what he was from the original to now. Because John Larroquette has changed over the years. Um, it's interesting when an actor takes on. Again, John Larroquette was part of Boston Legal. So you get to see him part of, you know, um, he has his side as drama. But when you introduce these characters, that are, their background is also comedy. You know you can have a good time watching a drama. But there were storylines in the original Night Court that kind of already set it up that Dan Fielding was redeemed, that he wasn't as nasty as he was. And then the later seasons, they kind of kind of screwed that around a little bit. But 
there were a few seasons before, like in the middle, that he kind of has this new outlook on life. And because there are some plot lines of the show that are very risque, especially his advances that he would make towards um, Marky Post. Because, you know, the way we live, you know, we have to address everything and analyze everything of the intent, you know, what he would, what he was doing would be deemed as sexual harassment. Another great point that the article pointed out, and, I, and I'll also bring this up into other, you, this, this could go into what, you know, cancel culture, I hate that phrase because it's, that's not what that is. It, it's a, it's a made up thing to make everybody feel good that they, they got rid of something, but some things can officially go away. You have your characters like Michael Scott on The Office who say inappropriate things. But what's the setup of it? Everybody on the show knows that he's saying inappropriate things. Sometimes they say inappropriate things, but everybody has a counterpoint. Uh, you know, Angela is a great character to have on the show. Because if you're watching The Office and you feel offended, Angela's your voice. Angela's the one sitting there saying, that is so offensive, you know? She's, she's you if you see on the screen you don't agree with what's going on. Sometimes that's important to have if the characters are self-aware of what they're doing. Night Court knew that John Larroquette's character was nasty. They knew that. And it didn't play off like, like a Robert Downey Jr. thing where that I brought up with Scarlett Johansson. Quick update. Scarlett Johansson got her money. Uh, she got like double uh, what she wanted, or what she uh, signed up for, uh, apparently. So yeah. So thank you for sending those petitions to get Scarlett Johansson money, right? But anyways, but you have an instance like the Robert Downey Jr. thing, and there was no self-awareness, because I don't think Gwyneth Paltrow really has a, a, a comeback to that. She just kind of takes it in. It's kind of like in a spoof movie. I, I like spoof movies where the humor plays well. I don't want a character to realize that they're in a spoof movie. Or I don't want a character to realize what they just said was ridiculous. So as long as you're not self-aware of stuff like that, that works on that level. But in the level of inappropriateness, uh, when, people, when somebody says racist things, if they know, if there's other characters in the show that know, you can't say that. You know, it's kind of like the an audience members know on the show. You can't say that. It's important to have those characters because that lets everybody know we've already thought about this. It's not just a we're not going to do a racist show. There could be, there are shows out there that, that do do inappropriate things, and they don't address that there's any character on the show that isn't okay with it. That's just the humor of it. So Night Court never played that way. Night Court knew going into it that John Larroquette was a womanizer and the women would sometimes be repulsed by him and the women that would be drawn to him probably weren't that smart. So you had your female characters back then that you had your leads that did pretty well. You know, in terms of Marky Post on Night Court, they didn't make her a dumb character. As far as, you know, having a, a um, woman come in and play serious slash comedic part because there's there is some drama to night court she did really well 
and I think she's one of the, the leading ones that probably doesn't get a whole lot of credit because these days, we're, that's what we're all looking for. They all want, everybody wants to have a, a, a woman-driven show. Ghostbusters, anybody? That didn't do so well. Who do they blame? When, when something gets asked for, who do they blame? You know, to, to revamp something all women, or to revamp something all men. You don't you don't hear about that. You don't hear about, let's make the Charlie's Angels with men. So you can have your equal parts. You can have, you can have things without addressing it, without being too flashy about it. But my point was that Marky Post was an important character on Night Court that would be the part which is what sets up later Allie McBeal and a lot of your main characters from The Practice and which goes into, you know, Mariska Hargitay was the leading one on SVU. So she's important. So you have your female characters that have made a staple in the industry and in pop culture. So that's going to be it on that because I, I like to keep these reboot things short. Um, but we had a lot to cover. We had a lot of shows to cover that, um, but which made this one unique was that Night Court is actually a go. Like they've already filmed the pilot and got picked up. They're doing 13 shows. And I think it's going to be on NBC. I don't think it's going to be just on Peacock. It will be on NBC. But as I kept finding out more and more about it, am I excited about it? I, I, I'm interested in seeing it. I'm interested in seeing how John Larroquette is going to play his character. Because now he kind of has, he'll probably have the thinking that he has to play, how to play it a certain way. But, you know, reading on 911 got to come back. And they got to come back and do their humor just as they had already, always done. So, sometimes things slip through the cracks. and But I don't think America is ready for Jean Larroquette to come back as the Dan Fielding he started out to be. That's the million dollar question. There are a lot of reboots out there. We're going to keep talking about them until they go away, which they probably won't. And uh, yeah, I, I end up talking more about uh, other reboots that I didn't even plan on talking about. Some interesting shows to check out, like The Wonder Years, which is on ABC. So thank you for listening. And uh, more things coming up. You can subscribe on Google. You can subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Anchor.fm, and Breaker. And, uh, yeah, I'll uh, catch you later. Bye, everybody. You just listened to the Some Other Useless Podcast with Richard Wigand.